Good morning, everyone. Good to be here in the house of the Lord again this morning. Uh, I'm going to start with a disclaimer from, from last Sunday when I made announcements. Uh, I, had, I had somebody speak to me and, and say that I forgot something, or well, I did kind of forget something. Um, and when I mentioned the fact that we were moving the fellowship meal to the 18th because Glenn would be back then, I forgot to mention the fact that Rhonda would be back then as well, okay? And that is pretty important. I mean, you know, I mean, that was a mistake on my part. Um, so sorry about that because um, we're, we're anxious to have both Glenn and Rhonda back uh, with us and, and Rhonda being able to be on the piano again and, and uh, it'll, it'll help us as far as worship team and, and a lot of other ways as well. Primary, uh, Rhonda's important part, integral part this church, and so, yeah, we're excited to have both of them back. Uh, this morning's scripture is actually from uh, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 12, um, and it's, you know, this Old Testament um, scripture that I decided to use. I, I, I typically use lectionary, and I wasn't too sure which one I was going to choose this morning, um, but this is what I, what I ended up choosing, and, and it has worked out okay. Uh, when I go to talk about the Old Testament, I, I always feel a little intimidated um, because I feel like I'm not really um, that good a scholar of the Old Testament. And um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to take those Old Testament scriptures and apply them to today. But I'm going to give it a try here. Um, and this is, this is uh, even worse than the fact that it's an Old Testament prophet who is prophesying to uh, Judah, and he's prophesying about judgment and destruction. You know, and God's judgment, discipline, and destruction are all things, you know, we really don't like to talk about, um, and maybe we should talk about them more today, but um, it seems that we don't talk about it as much, maybe. Um, but um, Jeremiah is speaking about those things to the people of Judah. And if we believe that God doesn't change and he's the same today as he was in the Old Testament times, then that means those characteristics are still a part of God, right? He hasn't changed any, so he still has those characteristics. So, and, you know, and if and when and how he decides to act on those characteristics are really up to him. We don't have a say-so in it. Now, I hope you don't think that... Um, Maybe we don't see those types of things today as much, or we don't witness God destroying nations um, just because we're better than the people of Judah, because we're not. Um, we're sinners just as they were. And our, really, our only saving grace today is the fact that we have Jesus, right? Who died on the cross for our sins and sits on the throne of grace interceding for us on a regular basis. And that's the difference between us and Judah couple of things about the prophet Jeremiah. He was commissioned by God uh, before he was born, actually, I think, um, to prophesy to the people of Judah, who were very rebellious at the time. He answered God's call and did that for almost 50 years and really did it without much success at all. Uh, the people just wouldn't listen to him. He was humiliated, put in stocks, um, nearly killed, thrown into a cistern, um, his own people were constantly um, abusing him and basically just ignoring him. 
In my Bible, in my Bible, it says that the key principle in Jeremiah is when we rebel against God, he graciously offers an opportunity re to repent. And we should be wise to do so before he disciplines us. So before I read the scripture, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I just ask that um, as we come to you this morning and look at your word, that it would speak to our hearts and our minds, that uh, it would give us knowledge of, uh, of you and your will in our lives. And I pray that everything that I say this morning glorifies you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jeremiah 18, 1 through 12. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of, our evil, of his evil heart. And this scripture um, is somewhat familiar to us, or at least the, the idea of the, the potter, uh, the potter's story, working with clay. So this morning I want to I, I pull three things out of this scripture, I think, that we can find in there. One is that God is sovereign. That he's the king of kings, right? He's above all. Two is that God has created us to do good works. And the third is that God is patient and merciful, and he allows time for repentance. So if we believe God is sovereign, what does that mean? What does sovereign mean? Well, I started by going to the dictionary to find out how the word sovereign is defined. And this is what I found it said. It says, a monarch, a king, a queen, or other supreme ruler. A person who has supreme power or authority. Greatest in degree, utmost or extreme. Being above all others in character, 
importance, and excellence. Sounds like a pretty good description of God. We must believe this to be true, right? Because we sing about it in our songs. We acknowledge it in our prayers, right? We use phrases like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Ruler of the Nations, Great and Mighty, Above All the Earth. And we often even say God is in control. There's many more uh, that we could talk about. Last Sunday, Doc mentioned God's sovereignty in his message when he was talking about worry. And the fact that why should we worry if we believe God reigns and is in control of the entire universe in which he made? For many, me included, this can be a little difficult to understand. We often ask the question, well, if, if God is in control, if he's sovereign, then why do terrible things happen, right? Why do I have pain in my own life? Why are there wars where there are thousands upon thousands of innocent people killed? Well, God is sovereign, but not in a way in which he wields his power or forces us to do whatever he pleases. We aren't like a puppet on a string that God's controlling. He doesn't make our decisions for us. He does have the power to do that if he wanted to, but he chooses not to. God allows us to have a free will and make our own decisions, which often causes pain and trouble. The scripture reminds us that God has the power to do what he wants with us. After all, he is the one who created us. But it also points out that our attitude towards him and the relationship we have with God can affect how much of his control he wants to use in our lives. The story of the potter at the wheel who marred the pot and then reformed it into something he seemed best to him is a metaphor for what God can do, for us, do to us if he so chooses. In Romans chapter 9, Paul speaks about God's sovereign choices and, and uses this same metaphor. Romans 9, 10 through 12. This is what Paul says. Not only that, but, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? But who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter 
have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use. I don't know if any of you have worked on a potter's wheel, um, but I actually have a video that I want to show um, of somebody actually doing something on a potter's wheel. So if we can start that video. That was about the shortest video I could find of a, of a potter uh, doing, doing something on a wheel like that and um, kind of gives you an idea what it's, what it's like to actually um, have a pot turned on a wheel. A couple of things that I noticed when I watched that video or a couple of things that um, came to mind for me as I watched that uh, video is the first thing, as a potter puts, his, puts the clay on the wheel, um, it has to be centered. You know, it, the, it, it doesn't start out perfectly round. What he had was odd-shaped, uh, and he had to put it on the center of the wheel. So if, if you think of God as being the, the person throwing you on that wheel, and the wheel he's throwing you on is, is this earth that's spinning, right, um, that can get out of our lives can kind of get out of control at times. So as I thought about that and, and the fact that the first thing that he has to do is center that. I mean, he can't do anything with that clay until it's centered. If it's out of center, you know, it gets weird shaped. You can't work with it. You can't form it into anything. So, so it has to be centered. So Christ, one of the first things God does with us or that, that allows us to happen to us is, is God centers us. Uh, we're, we're grounded. We're, we're made to where he can actually start to work with us if we have a relationship with him. Um, the second thing that he, that he talked about in that video or that you saw was the fact of it takes a lot of water, too. I mean, if the clay is too dry, then you're not going to be able to, to form that clay into much of anything. So it takes a lot of water to keep that clay pliable and, and be, to be able to use. And I, I kind of associated that water with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us and being in tune with the Holy Spirit and, and through the Holy Spirit um, relationship uh, with us and, and with God, we're made pliable and able to be able to be worked. And if the potter doesn't delight, like his design, um, he can always take it back down and start back over. So um, this morning I just wanted to show you, well, I have actually two pots up here um, that I have on the walls. And, and, you know, I don't think those are actually spun on a wheel. You know, these days they do things a lot differently. Um, they have machines that can do all of that without somebody sitting behind a wheel and and, and making those. Now, you could do that. It might be a little difficult to get those designs on the wheel. You'd have to do that some other way. But um, that can be done. So this morning, I wanted to show you something else. Um, and this is something um, when Ryan went to Heston. Uh, Ryan, if you know Ryan, he, you know he loves art of any kind. Um, he's good at several things. Um, but when he went to Heston, um, he started throwing clay on the wheel. And he really enjoyed it. And so this was, this was a couple of the first pieces he made um, that we have at our house now. This is a little bowl that he made. Uh, and, I mean, you could eat out of that. You can use it to put candy, um, whatever. You know, it has quite a few different uses um, that you could do. And then this one right here, uh, you could use this as a cup. This was done on a wheel, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, another one of his first projects that he did. Uh, he has, he has several others that are that he likes to keep at his house. Ah, and a coffee cup. He had a coffee cup. He did the, the cup on the wheel and then had to add the, the handle to it as well um, 
And so those are, those are some types of things that um, are done on a wheel and that are shaped uh, as long as they're, they're um, wet enough and soft enough to shape. I'm going to show you one more thing. And, and I, I really brought this only to put a smile on your face this morning. Um, if nothing else, that's what this is to accomplish. Um, this right here is something I made a long, long time ago. <laughs> and, and it is a pot, okay? He, you know, and this guy, he, he, my wife says he reminds you of Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know if you know Rodney Dangerfield, but if you look at the eyes, that's what he reminds you of, right? Um, and, you know, I always think, you know, he looks kind of like some day, after, I look after some days, you know, and my head comes, I, you just feel, some days are like that. But anyway, uh, he's, he's lost, he's lost feet, fingers, you name it. He's, uh, he's not in the best of shape anymore. Uh, but, you know, and when I tried to think of something useful for him, well, the one thing I thought about was the fact that we've had a lot of fun with him over the years, uh, and it's brought a lot of laughter and, and fun into our family. And he, he typically stays in the attic is where he typically stays. But <laughs> I brought him out today. Again, he's free for a little while. You know, all these, uh, so, so when we think about pots, um, these up here, you know, these are obviously fl flower pots, uh, and then we have a bowl and a cup, a couple of cups. Those are all made for a purpose, right? Um, they're all made to be used for something. And those flower pots are pretty, but they'd probably be even nicer if they had some flowers in them, right? They'd look even better. Um, so... And so it is with God when he creates us, when he created us. Uh, we've been, been made as vessels for his glory. You know, we can't see the future and we don't always fully understand what our purpose is or what God is calling us to. But as long as we stay connected to God and allow his Holy Spirit to keep our hearts soft and pliable, we can, he can continue to mold us and shape us into something beautiful. Ezekiel chapter 36, 25 through 27 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and, I will, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and, and move you to follow my decree, decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We can trust God's sovereignty and putting ourselves in his hands because we have a relationship with him. We can trust in him with our future because he sees what our future holds and we don't always see what our future holds. Many of us don't like change, but I believe we are constantly being shaped to accomplish his purposes. And we, aren't, we weren't created just to be something beautiful to look at. Now, we do have some pots at home that sit on the shelves that are there just to look at. But generally speaking, pots are made for something that is more useful than that. We were created to glorify him through a personal relationship and be, being useful in showing others his glory and love. You know, they, pots come in all different shapes and sizes and colors and you name it. Um, there's flower pots, large pots for bushes or even trees, coffee cups, water cups, um, or 
the big containers that you often see in third world countries where they're having to take water from a well somewhere, you know, 10 miles back to their house, um, bowls to eat out of, bowls to mix things in. And almost all pots and containers serve a purpose other than just decoration. In fact, if you think about the ones that I just named, uh, all of those are different, and yet uh, they have a common thread. And that common thread is that they all serve as vessels that help bring forth life. They all hold something and can, that contributes to life, like soil, water, food. So if we are God's vessels created by him, what is it that we hold? What is inside us? And again, I don't believe he made us just as a decoration to sit on a shelf and boast about how good we look. God created us for his glory. So what can we be filled with and then share with others that, bring honor, that brings honor to him? Well, first of all, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which helps guide and direct us. If we have a relationship with God, then we're filled with the love of God. We're filled with faith and joy. As Christ followers, we're similar in those ways, but there are many ways in which we are filled differently. We are gifted with God-given talents and abilities. Some of us are gifted with strong backs, while others are gifted with strong minds. God has gifted us all in some way. And some of you may be thinking, well, I really don't have any talent or gift to share. And I don't believe that for a second, and neither should you. If you have the love of God within you, then you have a gift to share. And to share that gift, all you need is one of three things. Either a mouth, hands, or feet. You don't have to have all three. As long as you have one of those, I'm sure you can share the love of God. Since I'm talking about um, God sharing, I'm going to take a minute to make a plug here. Talking about God, sharing God's love, um, we have, I'm going to talk about two ministries. First is the MCC Thrift Shop. That's something close to home, which makes it easier uh, to be able to be a part of that. Um, they're always in need of volunteers. They, they always need help. Um, you can go sort, price, put items on the floor and those types of things. And since I know the manager pretty well, I also know that um, they're always needing more people to run register and to check electronics and to price Christmas items. So they're always needing those. So, you know, if you have a little bit of time, if you have a couple of hands and a willing heart and a, and a mind that works, even at 10%, you can go to the thrift shop and, <laughs> and help out. Yeah, the second one. Um, that's near to my heart, and that is Mennonite Disaster Service, MDS. And MDS is always needing volunteers as well. And there, if, if you, you want to get away from home, here's your opportunity. You can go about anywhere in the country or even Canada. Uh, we had a, a, a site in Alaska. You could have went to Alaska and worked for a week. Um, and you can volunteer anywhere from several days to several months, uh, we have family camps, we have RV 
uh, sites where people who take their RVs and stay there for a week and do work. Um, there's all, ki all kinds of ways to, to serve. There's leadership volunteers, project coordinators, project directors, office managers, uh, cooks, crew leaders, drivers, drywallers, painters, construction workers, shovel and wheelbarrow operators. We need them as well. In fact, um, right now in, in uh, eastern Kentucky, um, we, have, we have actually well, two locations there, um, and we're struggling to get volunteers to help muck out. Things are set up, we're ready to go, but we can't seem to get the volunteers to come and help. And so um, there's always a place to go. Current sites are Crisfield, Maryland, Hinman, Kentucky, Hurley, Virginia, Jennings, Louisiana, Mayfield, Kentucky, McAllen, Texas, uh, Okanoob, I can't ever say this one, it's in Washington, um, <laughs> Paradise, California, uh, Welsh, Louisiana, and West Virginia, they're building, still building bridges. So um, you can go about anywhere in the country. And those are just a couple of ministries uh, that we are aware about and, or, or that we ha know about and have the opportunity to be a part of. Um, and in any of those, we, we can go and share God's love to others, sharing what you have to bring life to others. Um, I want to go back uh, to the scripture again. I want to read, talk, go back and read a portion of that and, and talk, touch on the third point, which is God being patient and merciful. Um, starting in verse 7. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. The Lord says that if a nation will turn, or a nation or a people will turn from their evil ways, He will not bring disaster on them. And Jeremiah is to tell the people of Judah specifically that destruction is on the horizon. But that can be avoided if we turn away from, or that can be avoided if they turn away from their sinful lives. As ver verse eleven says that if they reform their ways and their actions. You see, Judah had turned away from the Lord and were worshiping other gods and idols. They had become a corrupt nation that ignored the direction and plans that God had for them. They had become hard-hearted and selfish. And yet, God was patient and merciful with them. He sent them prophets to warn them. Jeremiah himself, like I said, spent almost 50 years letting them know what God was giving them the word of God and letting them know what God was going to do. He gave them plenty of warning and opportunity to turn away from their sin. And then in verse 12, it reminds us of what their response was. They decided to continue in their own evil ways. A couple other scriptures that I want to relate to God's mercy. Nehemiah 9, 29 through 31 you warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, of which you said, the person who obeys them will, will live by them. 
Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked, and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them, but your spirit, by your spirit, you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the, into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. And then 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, But do, no, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not s- slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God is gracious and merciful because I need that in my life. I too can be stubborn at times, pushing against the plans and direction God has for me. And I too can allow my own desires at times to be put ahead of his. I need his grace and mercy. And I believe all of us need his grace and mercy. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are a sovereign God, Lord. We thank you that we can have a relationship with the Almighty, with the one that rules this world, with the one that created us, Lord. We thank you that that you know our future, that our future is in your hands, Lord. We trust in that, and we put our faith in you. Lord, we thank you that you are our creator, that when you create us and when you mold us and when you shape us, that you see our potential, that you see what we can become when sometimes we don't see that ourselves. So we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are patient and merciful when we are often so stubborn and stiff-necked. We thank you for that patience and that grace in our lives. You always see the good in us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. May we, may we go throughout this week and this coming days knowing, realizing your sovereignty, May we know you as our creator. And may we rest in your patience and mercy with us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.